Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver Newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Andrew Wilkinson was elected leader of the BC Liberals uh, a year ago, February. And while there was some speculation that we might have a snap election at some point along the way, it now appears as if we're going to go all the way through the duration of this term uh, with NDP government into uh, the fall of 2021. Um, I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk a bit about the preparation of the party, what it is you're learning about yourself in all of this, and um, you know, chat about where you think the direction of the BC Liberals is going. Good to have you with us. Well, thanks for having me. And it's an interesting time because, as you say, we're wandering into a federal election now. It's about 100 days away. Any speculation about our provincial election is probably gone by now for this calendar year. Yeah. We are optimistic for 2020. That's what we do for a living is be optimists. But uh, in terms of preparations, it's going very, very well. We had uh, talk about that. Talk about a wins. very strong fundraising quarter. We beat the NDP in the first quarter of this year. We doubled our our uh, inflow of income from over last year. Mm-hmm. And we also did something that I think was new and important. We said, "Look, it's no longer an insider game. We put an open call out for candidates, and of the people who put on their online applications, a little over two hundred of them were legitimate." interested people. Every time I go into a riding, whether it's Maple Ridge or in the upcountry or even in Vancouver Island, people come up to me and say, I want to run for you. So there's a huge amount of groundswell interest in the party, both in terms of financial support, which is now all individual contributions, and in terms of people getting involved. So it's a very exciting time. One of the things that I think uh, people right away uh, latched onto, though, was the idea that part of your renewal of the party was going to likely involve having to part ways with some of your incumbents, right? That's well underway. All right. So you say well underway, but what is, in the end, does that mean at a decisive moment as you get toward uh, the election, you're going to be able to say these people are not joining us? Well, on, I, I, what, what's the process look like? Yeah, there? on June the 9th, Linda Larson from Boundary Smilkamine announced she's not running. There'll be at least three more this year, probably more. And uh, it's a part of a renewal process. And it's also respectful. It's not basically booting people out the door and saying well, that's tough. And that's, that's an important point that I, I want to stress is that how is it that you can effect this renewal and not boot people to the curb? Well, some people come along and say, look, it's time. I've done this long enough or I've reached a stage where I'm not contributing as much as I thought I should or Mm -hmm. uh, they've just decided to move on in life. That's about half the people. Some of the people, uh, it's a conversation about what the future holds and whether it's time for renewal. But like I say, there'll be probably a six-pack of people who are moving on Mm -hmm. and that creates lots of opportunities because most of them are in held ridings that are pretty safe ridings. So we're going to get strong nomination races in a number of ridings. That's exciting. Obviously, been a, been a cabinet minister, you've been a party president, you've been head of the Vancouver yeah. Institute. This is a different animal. It is. The, tell me a bit about that. Tell, well, tell, me, tell me what you're what you're learning even about yourself in this one. Yeah, I was actually just this week in Lillooet, Cash Creek, Ashcroft, and Merritt. Mm. Merritt's about 5,000 people. The others are about 2,000 people or less. And you get out into British Columbia, these are basically forest-dependent communities or they're dependent on something else like transportation. And so you look at them and think, if I'm wanting to be the leader of this province as the premier, you've got to look out for everybody. And you have to hear and learn from them as you go through every one of these little towns and understand their view of the world, understand their anxieties. That 
pushes you to your limits because you have to keep in your head a whole array of concerns. And as soon as someone says you should do such and such or we should do such and such, you have to think of the ramifications for everybody in, in the picture. So that's the interesting, challenging part of the job. Mm-hmm. There's also the street-level politics. I was in a coffee shop in one of those towns yesterday where there was a very right-wing woman. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us had to kind of talk through why we're much more in the center than she is. And at the end of the session, she accepted that. and We all moved on in good terms. But got to remember, British Columbia is not only a big geography, it's a huge span of political opinion and personal styles. And people forget that because the, the media cycle tends to involve mostly people in 604, mostly Vancouverites, who mostly talk about their own issues. But it's a big province, complicated issues. Well, turn the table here for a second, okay? Because, because no question, you, you've read probably everything they've written about you. And, and, and it's, <laughs> I try not to. Well, but, yeah. but a lot of it is, you know, wait a minute, he's a, he's a big city guy. He's a big city well, guy. He, yeah. he has he has no feel for uh, for you know for the countryside uh, or the other side, which is no no you know you're a lone wolf. You know you we we don't see the collaborative Andrew Wilkinson out there. All right, so feed that back. Can, can convince me here? Sure. So in Lillooet, you sit down with twenty people and say, you know, I remember being here thirty years ago as a young doctor when I worked at the clinic over there and worked at the hospital next door. And they've had a paint job, and the smiles light up in the room. I've lived and worked all over British Columbia and mm-hmm. have a little story about just about every town I've been to. So the interior is very comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. It's a place I know and understand. I also lived and worked in Vancouver Island in Campbell River over a period of three years, have a good comprehension of the North Island, and now live in the city of Vancouver. So the lower mainland comes naturally to me. Some places you still have to learn about. And we all presume we know the place pretty well, but it's a bit like driving around your hometown and you turn down a street and realize, I've never been here before. I don't know this street. And so you have to keep your eyes wide open about that. In terms of you know personal style, it's funny that in the, the smaller rooms, the smaller centers, people describe me as warm and friendly and caring and knowledgeable. And then I come to the media world and they describe me as cold and aloof and you know, I'm not sure where that's coming from, but it's but, a certain style that uh, the media amplify. How do you um, how do you wrestle that though? Well, you just be yourself. You get out there as much as possible, engage with people, establish contact with people. Word spreads quickly, and I hate to say it, Kirk, but there's a certain skepticism of the media these days. Really, and so yeah. people uh, yeah. take it all with a grain of salt. Okay, okay, uh, but tell me a little bit about what you've had to learn about yourself in the last say, 18 months now that you've Yeah, I'm a pretty impatient person. I like to do things today, preferably in the next hour. And in this line of work, you got to realize that change happens over weeks or months. Mm -hmm. And you got to do a whole bunch of diplomatic work in the background. And then my catch is I assume that all that diplomatic work results in an instantaneous decision. And then sometimes people take their time and think things over. That's particularly true of riding associations in more far-flung locations. They're highly autonomous, and you got to do the diplomacy with them and sort things out and let them come to their own conclusions. Hmm. John Horgan told me once that uh, the job that he had as opposition leader was actually a really tough job because you're kind of like Mr. No every day. Yeah. Right. So 
explain that a little bit on how you've had to come to terms with that because you you've been a minister and and a minister is largely mr yes yeah. you know i'm doing this we're we're initiating this we're i'm providing funds for this now you've flipped that around and you have to be almost the antagonist every day right before the election i was the minister of advanced education which we described as the ministry of happy you went around provided a better life for 430,000 students. The sure. institutions liked us. Everybody was generating good news all the time. And then you come into this job, and your job is to hold the government to account, which means you've got to point out the things that aren't working. And there's no shortage of them. Their approach to tax policy is a fiasco. The forest industry is in a major crisis, and they're doing nothing about it. They have completely screwed up the mountain caribou file, whether you live in the city or the country. It's gone badly for them. And there is a string of other things we can point to, like their complete failure on affordable housing. Everywhere I go now, Revelstoke, Vancouver, Lillooet, people say we need affordable rental housing. There's a shortage of it. So the NDP have failed in a whole bunch of regards. John Horgan bears this, of course, because he's the leader. And so when he talks about it being an adverse experience, I actually have a lot of fun in this job because mm -hmm. in the communities, when you're talking to people, whether it's in North Vancouver or in Lillooet, it's always a very positive experience talking to them at the end. We talk about opportunity. We talk about making it a better place for everyone. No friends and enemies, no winners and losers like the NDP like to pick. So it's a very positive experience that way. And the reception is so strong. I think this is actually a lot of fun getting out there and meeting people and talking to them about the future. Not a job you want to hold permanently, however. Right? Well, yeah. the plan is to become the Premier of British Columbia. Yeah. So that's the next yeah. step. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you didn't talk about uh, in that list uh, is is the money laundering inquiry and, and the approach that the uh, the government's taken to this. Uh, I know it's going to be an independent inquiry, and you have to trust that you know the the judge running it is going to be very fair and and is going to do it. But do you have a concern that this is going to be essentially a uh, a trial of the BC Liberal Party? Well, the NDP have tried to set it up that way, and fortunately, the man in charge of it, Mr. Justice Cullen has a reputation for being rock solid, totally independent, a very fair-minded person. So I have complete confidence in Justice Cullen to run this properly. And the NDP are going to figure out that there's a vast array of information out there that has to be chopped through. And they're also going to have to come to the table about their own experience of they're the only party that's ever been caught in a $4.5 million fraud in Nanaimo in the 1990s. Nobody went to jail but there was a full-on criminal inquiry, and they were found culpable. And they don't want to talk about that. So when we get the dirty stories coming to the table, the NDP are going to be at the front of the line. Depending on what uh, Mr. Justice Cullen uh, provides in the way of uh, advice to the government, um, you know, have you already signaled as, as a leader of a party that you're you know, your own uh, approach in this one will be to try to be in lockstep with what he's providing in the way of recommendations in this. Because there, there's, there's no question that, that regardless of, uh, of your partisanship, uh, there's, there's a concern that somehow the province has not done an adequate amount uh, in order to, to deal with money laundering. And, and that maybe the time has come for a lot of legislation, a lot of, you know, a lot of measures to crack down. Well, and it's become a bit of a ghost because the NDP have through their criminal justice branch, have not charged anybody for any significant crime. They've been there for two years now. So if all of this stuff is out there, why don't they charge somebody? Where are the prosecutions? They also, in their run-up on this issue, said that it's a widespread problem across Canada, but nobody else seems to be as agitated as they are. 
So there's quite a lot of politics involved in this as they try to tag things onto the BC Liberals. We, of course, say, let's bring it on, get Mr. Justice Cullen to come up with the right recommendations and come up to the right conclusions. Let's get on with the criminal prosecutions, because if they're out there, get them done. And we, of course, have to remember that the now famous Silver Line investigation that <laughs> fell apart under a federal prosecution right. last December was initiated under the BC Liberals and then fell apart through some bungling by the prosecutors. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, so as you, as you move toward a probable election in 2021 on the fall of that, maybe not anything sooner than that, uh, how are you in your own mind beginning to position the party in a way that perhaps it wasn't positioned under your predecessor? What, what is it? Where are you looking for that vein Absolutely. We'll be talking much more about what happens in people's lives, particularly in suburban Vancouver, where there's a lot of political activity and a lot of the, the outcome of the election will be determined. We'll also be coming out with a much stronger environmental message. You know, I was the president of the BC Mountaineering Club for a few years. I've got a very strong feeling about the natural landscape of British Columbia. and We'll be coming out with strong positions on that. And interestingly, no matter where I go, whether it's Revelstoke, Cranbrook, Fort St. John, everybody's heads nod when you talk about improving our landscape. Yeah, yeah. It, does this necessarily mean that um, you will leave a flank open for uh, for a conservative party to, well, to resurge a little bit? <laughs> we will see through the fall, as we always do in a federal election, that the polling done about provincial issues will show a significant rise in interest in the BC Conservative Party as people confuse the federal and provincial political scene. Then early in the new year, people will come back to reality and say, oh yes, they're separate. And the interest in the BC Conservatives will decline to its usual normal level. The current profile of the BC Conservatives is there's one city councillor in Fort St. John who used to be a strong supporter of the BC Liberals, who's their leader, and I haven't met anybody who can give you his name. Yeah. Probably me too. Um, however, uh, if you're trying to position your party, sounds like more to the center, center left. Do you have any? Is there any place for that conservative left we'll in be, your left in your party? We'll be talking loud and clear about opportunity, enterprise, lower taxes, the things that make a difference in people's lives in terms of getting ahead. That works just fine for all the people who would describe themselves as conservative in British Columbia. Those same people are the ones nodding their heads in the back of the room when I talk about improving wildlife populations all over BC. Right. They're so conservationists as well as conservatives. There's a yeah. tendency to kind of pigeonhole people's values all in a bundle. And we quickly learn getting around the province. That's actually quite inaccurate. Yeah. Um, question I usually ask uh, political leaders is um, about self-care. Oh, yeah. How are you faring? Well, it's interesting. I have had a habit for many years of running or biking every morning, rain or shine. Unless I have to get up at 4 o'clock to get a flight, I get exercise every day. And I think it shows. You know, I try to keep pretty trim. And it's good. And, of course, the other end of that day is in the evenings, I spend less time watching television, more time reading to catch up on the affairs of the world and mm -hmm. keep abreast of things. So... I'm in pretty good shape personally, but that's only so that I can be a better leader of the party and serve the people of British Columbia better by being in a good state of mind, being fully informed and being physically fit. Okay. All right. Well, look, good seeing you. And, yeah, good uh, to see you. And uh, have a good summer. We'll see you again soon.
Great. Thanks for your time. Andrew Wilkinson, leader of the BC Liberals. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for watching BIB Today and listening to us. We'll catch you next time.